Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. As a somatic sex coach, I believe that pleasure, connection, and authentic expression are a function of safety. My desire for this platform is to normalize topics that have been thought of as unsafe or shameful. Conversations around sex, money, trauma, spirituality, loss, these are the conversations that shape us. When we approach these exchanges with curiosity, compassion, nuance, and a dollop of humor, we create room for people to feel seen and heard in both their unique and collective experiences. In other words, this is a soft place to have hard conversations. I'm so honored to have you here. Shall we commence? Hi, Kristen, again, wanted to pop in before beginning the second piece of this two-part conversation titled One in Four. If you are beginning with this episode, I want to repeat the trigger warning. This conversation is an in-depth exchange about miscarriage. So it is not, it is not light. If you have experienced a miscarriage or know someone who has and feel activated or triggered by this topic, then please have compassion and grace for yourself and give yourself permission to tune back in next month when we are talking about something else. That being said, this conversation is with a really dear friend of mine, Erica. If you listened to the first part of this conversation, you will have met her then along with Liza and Leslie. And that conversation was really important because it brought the collective experience to light. I felt like there was a lot of safety in that room to just share and to be. And I did not take on the role of coach or even facilitator as much as space holder. So there were definitely things shared, things said that I think someone who hasn't gone through this experience or a similar experience might jump and try to offer a reframe or something positive or fill in the uncomfortable silence or, you know, yada, yada, yada. And that is not the purpose of either of these conversations. I intentionally set these up so that sharing could happen without judgment, without interruption. Um, I really just wanted it to feel free-flowing and like they could just say the things that you're not quote-unquote supposed to say. It was such an honor to hold that space for those ladies and to be a part of a conversation that I hope created more space and safety for similar conversations to take place in your life, in your homes, and in your relationships. I also wanted to deepen some of the things that came up in our group conversation because logistically it was impossible to go deep on everything that I wanted to uh, when you have four people in the conversation It just went really fast and we ran out of time. And so I asked Erica, who is a really close, a longtime friend of mine, if she would be willing to come back to just kind of get even more micro with it and to spend even more time with this subject and sharing the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, and more details about her own experience with her miscarriage and she is incredible and unbelievable and she said yes and she blessed all of us with her experience and I pray that it finds you and supports you and again makes you realize that healing is not linear and that whatever your journey has looked like is valid and important and you get to have it and all of it is okay. 
we know that this experience is unique and deeply personal. So if you don't resonate to any of the details of any of these stories, that's also okay. We just want you to know that you can talk about it if you want to. (laughs) And if you don't, that's also okay. We're fully, fully supporting your journey, whatever that looks like and needs to be over here. So one last big thank you, shout out, I love you to Erica and also to Leslie and Liza. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, Erica. Hey, Kristen. Thanks for coming back to chat with me one-on-one after our roundtable experience. I am so, I mean, happy feels like the wrong word because right, we're, we're talking about miscarriage. Yeah. Right. So, um, I'm grateful for the opportunity mm. to be having this conversation with you because I'm hopeful that it really does help people who are going through something and hopeful it helps those who may need it in the future, not because we're projecting a miscarriage on them, but because they might have a friend, they might mm-hmm. know somebody, um, and, and given the numbers you gave last time, which are still true, right? The likelihood someone listening to this will go through it is unfortunately yeah. true. And I I'm hopeful this conversation helps it helps them. Yeah. And I, I'm really, I'm really grateful to you for being willing to share from, I mean, still what I would consider the messy middle, right? It's like, this isn't an, an experience that happened a long time ago. This was fairly recent in your history. And I think one thing I hadn't Well, I want to say this for the people listening. Erica is a very, very, very close friend of mine. I think you should have that for context. The reason I felt comfortable asking her to come dig around in the intimate experience that is miscarriage is because we walked through that together. I was part of that. Um, That was something that she experienced while we were in relation with each other. And there it's it's hard. It's hard to talk about. Everybody doesn't want to talk about it, which is so normal. That's also okay. Nobody owes anybody, um, their story or anything, but I do think that that desire, you know, my desire in having the podcast and having this be a safe place or a soft place to have hard conversations. And then your desire for people to be supported and benefit and find, peace and hope and resources in your experiences. Um, it just felt like a really good, it felt like a really good, uh, crossroad to meet up at and, and have a deeper conversation. And I'm again, so grateful to Liza and to Leslie for joining the two of us on the roundtable conversation. If you guys have listened to that, that was part one. If not go back and listen to it after this. Um, but it was like, I was so grateful to have multiple experiences highlighted and just the sheer logistics of having four people on a podcast, having a conversation, we didn't move through as many things as I thought we would like the conversation went so fast. And I think it was everything it needed to be was meant to be. And I wanted to be able to get even more micro and kind of like go down the wormhole on some of those topics and really allow space to air them out more. So one thing that I was reflecting on after we got off the conversation was how angry you still are. And it was something that it surprises the wrong word. Like we've been communicating through that experience and all of that anger, obviously so valid. It felt like as the conversation was going, like I could see you though, like you were getting, you were getting like hot, you were getting heated. There was like a surge that came back and I just wanted to make plenty of space for that. And I also wanted to, to like start there and talk about that and talk about how, Hey, it's totally okay to be pissed. Um, even after you've birthed a healthy baby since your experience. Um, but also just to see how that was kind of feeling for you. Like right now you were talking about judgment and some things before we hit record. And I just thought that would be a juicy place to jump in. Yeah. there. I'm glad you picked up on it. Cause I don't think I even knew it until you said, and I was like, yeah, I'm fucking mad. Um, and for me, a lot of the anger one, I'm grateful. I can still like, I'm grateful to feel the anger is what I'm trying to say, because after this piece, as we were talking right, actually before you hit record was 
we want to make sense of these things and we want to love it and we want to be compassionate and we want to like do all these things. And it's like, yeah, I want to do all of that. And I'm still mad at a system that is set up to make women hurt more because I, I recognize, and I appreciate how lovely Leslie's experience was lovely. You know, I guess in like loving from her doctor. Yeah. Like someone gave her a book and it was like, these are some resources and this is some stuff to expect. Like that's way more than I've actually ever heard of anyone else getting. So I'm so glad she had that experience. Me too. And I, I think the hard part though, is I think people have a lot more similar experiences to me. Mm-hmm. So I remember walking in, I don't know if I, I don't think, maybe I messaged you about this, but I went in for something with my thyroid. I got a Hashimoto's pregnancy induced Hashimoto's, which I didn't even know was a thing. So yay. Um, so I had that and this woman walked in and needed like needed help getting the surgery. And she was having the, the, what is it? The DS, DCN, DNC, DNC, like, I think the DNR. I think. I, yeah. I think it's like the DNR. Anyways, they were mixing up a bunch of therapy yeah. and also procedures. Yeah. She had the, the surgical remover, uh, surgical procedure for an abortion. And this woman is coming in. I heard it. And I was like, Oh, I know what she needs. Um, and this guy was like, are you sure you're supposed to be here? Is this the right place? Who sent you here? And I'm, I mean, I'm getting so angry. This woman just had a miscarriage and you are questioning everything instead of helping her. And it's probably because you didn't know what that, those three letters meant, but I don't care (laughs) because you should know what they mean if you're checking someone in and just the lack of compassion. And I remember I walked over to her and I'm not sure I'll ever forget this. I walked over to her and I was like, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. And me too. Um, because I know that I found that really helpful during mine. And she looked at me in the eyes and she goes, thank you. This is my third. And mm. I about like fell on the floor right there because in my head, I was like, this woman has been through so much and this fucking asshole doesn't have the common, like the common decency to say, let me figure out what that is, which I think you should do period in the medical system, but to watch this woman and to know that this woman has gone through this three times, the lack of compassion, it hurts me because I know to some extent what that feels like. Um, and I, there's a piece of me that, that wants to say this is that it almost feels like because we are not mothers yet, mm-hmm. we get treated poorly. It's yeah. like, because when you are pregnant and when you are going through the system, everyone loves you. How are you doing? What's up, mama? What's going on? Everyone's sweet. Everyone's holding you. And the moment you're no longer that, you're almost discarded. And that makes me really mad because we're still people without children and we should be treated as such. So yeah, it it makes to like, I tear up thinking about that woman's story because I'm like, it is unfair how, how it's treated. And I think too, like, it is so painful for the women going through it most of the time to let, to have our feelings just pushed aside and act like it's a medical procedure or ask like it's, or act like it's a heavy period and act like nothing's really changed now that you're just back to living as is. I'm like, that is just, it's, it's rude. It's rude. It's mean it's, and it's not natural. So yeah, yeah, I I was angry and still angry because I, I still witness it. Yeah. Well, and there's. I feel like there's just so much there. First of all, I completely resonate with, I mean, even though I, even though my pregnancy, thank goodness resulted in a beautiful, healthy baby. I didn't experience grateful that I didn't experience complications or anything like that. And there is still this societal norm But it's like, as you are the incubator for the baby, everybody's coming out of the woodwork to A, say inappropriate things to you that people should not say, and B, to check on you and ask about your health and your general wellness. And if you need anything and open doors and carry boxes and bring you food and help fulfill your cravings because you're growing a baby and you're doing like the greatest thing that a woman could possibly do yet again, like focusing on the woman's worth being basically reproduction. And then the minute the baby is born, even, even when the baby does survive pregnancy ends in a baby, the baby is born 
And all of the attention shifts to the baby, which is why the postpartum space is so important, which is why postpartum doulas are so important. Having that intentional support for yourself as you are transitioning into motherhood, whether for the first time or for the third time, um, the recovery period, but it's like, everything is about the baby. And the moms are like, oh, you're like back to being a person who isn't growing a baby anymore. So like, yeah, it's, it's not about you anymore. And just this interesting loss of, cause that's, I'll tell you, that's the only thing that I miss about pregnancy. It's the only thing is that the world seemed like a better place for nine months, you know, like tattooed biker looking dudes would like run across the parking lot to like open the door for my like swollen self to move through. People were so kind and so accommodating. And I also know that that is not everyone's, like, there's a lot of privilege attached to that. I I understand that everybody doesn't get that, but just that the harshness, like the harsh contrast of having a purpose. And then in the eyes of society, not having a purpose anymore and how like fucked up that is and how weird that is. And even when you were talking about it, I was like, ugh, like that's not something I've spent a ton of time thinking about, but I felt it. Like even my brief interaction with it, I've definitely felt it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really weird thing. Like as a mom now, it's everyone was so helpful and it's not that people aren't helpful now that I have a kid, but it's a like, particularly going back to the medical establishment, you're out. Yeah. So for me, I had a baby in a hospital. I had it with a nurse midwife because I had a nurse midwife. I had a two week appointment where they checked in about my postpartum. Usually it's six weeks. Most women who have had a baby know that. Um, and everyone was like, Oh, that's right. You're doing the two because you have this. And it's like, okay, I've seen you every four weeks, every two weeks and every one week. And now the norm is to give me six weeks. And when you see me, you're going to decide whether or not I can work out and have sex. And that's the only two things we're evaluating. (laughs) I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like that is really where it's at. And yes, they like, allegedly they do postpartum depression, anxiety, but I had the tests, the questions asked. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Mm, not everyone's going to be truthful in some of those, honestly. And yeah, it's just, that's the thing with the miscarriage component of it is like, there is a lot of anger in general for me personally, having been in the healthcare space for fifth, like honestly, like 14 years, right. My, before becoming a coach, before opening up my new business, retain her, like I was in the public health and healthcare space. And so constantly watching women's health be disregarded it, it lights something in me. Like it, it makes me so mad because we are people too, and we deserve to be treated as such, whether or not we have a kid. And it feels like often we're only truly cared about and seen when we have a child walking through those double doors. Mm-hmm. brings up something else that I think was that we've talked about before that I think is important to just give space to. And that is what you refer to as the shitty body purgatory, where not, not only this over this bigger, like societal contrast of being without a baby after having a miscarriage, but being in a body that was very recently pregnant and now isn't. And there's this kind of definite lack of, I think, awareness, sensitivity, knowledge in general about what happens in a woman's body after that happens. And people are just like, oh, well, you're not pregnant anymore. So you're just going to like bounce back to doing normal activity. And you should be back in your pre-baby clothes because you're no longer pregnant and you didn't grow a whole baby. So like, what are you doing? Which is like super fucked up. And I don't think like, I would hope that most people would never say that, but I do think that people think that, and you see it play out the most obviously with celebrities where people feel that they can comment on females bodies, you know, because they're famous. So they're fair game. I remember Chrissy Teigen getting like, you know, torn to shreds over something. And she was like, y'all just hold the fuck down. Like I lost a baby at 22 weeks. My body still thinks he's in there. Like I'm still making milk. I'm still bloated. I'm still in pregnancy clothes. Cause I don't fit in my other clothes and I don't have a baby, but I have to be reminded by my body constantly that she was supposed to be making a baby right now. And so I wanted to give some space for that too. 
Yeah, I that to me was probably the most fucked up part. And I feel like I put it on myself the most because yes, society does all these things, but like we're the ones, right, who are carrying out the societal conditioning. And so I I actually just had a client who had a miscarriage and she was like, I can't lose weight fast enough. And I'm like, well, you have a, like your body is still preparing to create a, a child. And I don't think we talk enough about, again, going back to the healthcare system, but mm-hmm. hormones in our body, right? Like, so yeah. when women is have, when women are having difficulty dropping weight, that's because oftentimes our, our hormones are all screwed up and there's multiple reasons as to why, but like, you can't bounce back after having a baby, especially in the way that one would lose 10 pounds. Like if you just needed to lose 10 pounds without a baby or, you know, without having a pregnancy prior, it's quote unquote, fairly simple because there's certain foods There's like your hormones are probably given in this way. They're probably not all screwed up because it's only 10 pounds heavier. There's, you know, there's all these steps. Well, when you gain five to eight, maybe 10 pounds with a child with child, and then you lose it, the process to lose the weight, it looks one, so different. And two, also, why do you care so much? Right. But like I did, I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, motherfucker. And the truth of the matter is I didn't even look that big, but in my head I did. And, and my pants were just a little too tight, but I would sit there and I'd be like, you just look like a chubby version of Erica. Mm-hmm. Like go work out, go do these things. Knowing logically, Hey, rest. Hey, you just had a miscarriage. Hey, you're kind of uh, crying nonstop. Hey, there's a lot of things wrong. And also I'm like, I just, I just wanted things to go back to normal so badly. Yeah. But I thought if I could get my body back there, then all of this would go away. And I think that that, as I'm talking it through, that was the thing, right? Yeah. Like you just wanted it, what, to feel normal again, because you've gone through this thing that you can't like put words to that. So many people can't empathize with or join you in. And you're like, if I can just get back to feeling like me, maybe everything won't feel so shitty. And that's what it is. And, and I, I laugh now cause I didn't even get back to me right before I got pregnant again. <laughs> so that, well, that but- because there's no, like, there's no going back. Like there's no going back after you had a baby, you don't bounce back, you evolve and heal forward. And after you lose a baby, you definitely don't fucking go back. Like there's no going back. You can't go back to pre-baby. It's impossible. It's, it's impossible. And I, the thing that I think is really like, was, has been important for me with a child now, you might be able to hear her sweet, sweet sounds in the background, um, is the, the baby, the body before a baby, like it, it can't exist because it didn't do the thing that it had just done. And the same thing when it comes to the miscarriage component of it. But I think it was so much easier to focus on fitting, like saying to yourself, if I just fit in these pants and everything will go back to normal and it won't, that doesn't mean that you can't heal from it. That doesn't mean you can't continue forward with hope. It just means that that's not the thing that's going to fix the issue inside of you. But that focus, it felt so important. And I also like, there was just things in me that was like, I'm not going to buy pants, like a bigger size pant, like why I, you know, so silly. Cause I'm just honoring the body that went through this tragic thing, but also sustained me through it. But I was like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah. And that to me, when I look back, I'm, I, I'm not mad at myself, but I wish I could have loved her more yeah, because I was annoying. putting so much pressure on her to return to the healthy state that I thought was necessary to have a baby again. Mm. Yeah. So a little bit of like self bypassing almost where you're like, if you can just get back to looking like you, then you'll be, you know, you'll be solid again. And we can like go for this again and like do it this time kind of thing. Yeah. And I will say that through the miscarriage, I've evolved a lot and I would, um, so I'm not like, I'm not mad about it. I'm there's to, to some levels. I'm grateful for it. And I was running still exponentially harder than I, I would have liked to. So I was still in the head, like a very masculine headspace of just like, do, 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 do. And so this was just another thing to do instead of like, let go and be. Okay. So this is, this is the question now (laughs) unscripted. This is what I'm, this is what I'm wondering. And I want to preface this by saying, I do not believe that God 
loves the baby so much that he couldn't let it be on earth and drags them back up to heaven. I don't subscribe to that. So that being said, and because I know you so well, like, I don't want people to feel like you have to have learned something quote unquote from your miscarriage for it to be an integrated experience or for it to be a valid experience. Like do not, that is not what I'm saying, but I am asking my friend, Erica, who I know very well, who then got pregnant and had a healthy baby afterwards, because you reflected some of these things back to me via Voxer, where it's like once the shock and some of the initial pain had cycled through the first or second time, you're like, I'm realizing that there were some things like that. I wasn't fully prepared. There were some things in my life, some patterns, some stuff going on that was not conducive or supportive to me having a baby, even though I was saying that I was really ready for a baby. And I was just curious if you felt open to sharing what some of those things were. Yeah, actually, as you're saying, and I was like, oh man, I thought all of these thoughts, I forgot about them. Um, but they're coming back really fast. And the big one was, I honestly, I thought my baby would save me, which for the record, she did for <laughs> like, she is my own little <laughs> spiritual guru. But Same. I had this idea that I would slow down once she came, I would be the person she needed once she came. And it's mm-hmm. not that there isn't some things about that that aren't true. It's that I was hoping she would give me what I wanted instead of giving myself what I wanted. And I think that anyone who has a child or a mother can relate that we tend to put things on our kid, right. To do for us or to live out for us. And I was doing that with this being. And I so clearly see now while you don't have to make meaning out of a miscarriage. And in fact, I would make like, I would, so I would go, go far, go as far to say, you don't ever have to make meaning. And in fact, please don't particularly in the first couple months, unless it comes to you, because I think also we're always looking for meaning and we're always placing it. And sometimes you can just be sad and mad and that's okay. And sometimes we put meaning to stuff that we shouldn't. Yeah. And it keeps Uh, us from moving through almost because we get hung up in the meaning instead of just processing the experience itself, like the felt sense of the experience. Yeah. I mean, I, and you know, I, I did that to some extent and I know because I really did feel so much of it. And then in March I had a massive like breakdown in front of a, I don't know, 20 strangers. So it tells me I didn't really like move through it the way that I needed to. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> um, so it was like, wasn't my cutest introduction, but in this piece of it, it, yeah, I, I really expected her that, that being to fix and help me create the life I wanted instead of really focusing on what it was. And I do know that when I prayed and meditated on it, that's what came through. It was like, like you did nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong, but like, take a minute and look and see if this is the life you actually want and what you want to bring a child into. And for us, I know for like my family, we thought we were ready when we weren't, we just weren't ready. And I know you can never be ready for a kid, blah, blah, blah. But like, we knew the moment we lost her, we weren't ready to be parents. Mm -hmm. And so we had a good six months of remembering not even six months. I think we took three or four months of like, okay, are we ready again? What does it need to look like? What do we need to work on? But yeah, it's, um, that I, that was the big, big piece is I really, uh, I really felt like she was supposed to save me mm-hmm. and reflecting back on it. I can see that that wasn't the piece. And the other component too, as I'm thinking about it, it's like, I, like the reason I cried in, in front of a bunch of strangers for what it's worth is I wouldn't let myself move through the pain because I told myself the story of like, I, I, I wanted her to save me. Mm-hmm. That's what this was. I needed to make space. I need to do this. And, and, and I lashed on. Yeah. So when it came, whatever July to March is however many months later, I, that's why I broke down in front of a bunch of strangers is because I didn't let myself release the story because it's how I got through this, like got through the pain of it. And so in March I had a great, yeah, a, a great release. Yeah. A great release, not on the floor, 
all of the things um, while pregnant with my now daughter, like, oh, I was carrying this story. Now I need to release, like release it and allow the miscarriage to just be a thing that happened. Um, learn a lesson perhaps that I needed to see, but like not tie all of that yeah. to the incident. Well, yeah. And I think giving, if you're listening and you've experienced this or know someone who has like giving yourself permission for the both and right. Like mm-hmm. just because losing the baby, like shone the light on the fact that maybe you guys weren't as ready as you thought you were. And maybe there was an invitation in the loss to be more conscious in creating the environment and making changes that would welcome the baby. And it's fucking sad and it's devastating. And there was a loss that has to be acknowledged. And so like Erica, what I think you're saying is it's like, you can have all of this, these moments of clarity, you can find these moments of perspective or meaning or whatever to kind of anchor into. And sometimes that's so needed and we need those and those are okay. There's no judgment around that either, but not neglecting the actual moving through the grief and the feelings and the emotions that are still valid and that still have to move through, even if there's something for you to anchor into, right? Like Mm -hmm. all of, all of it, it's all part of it. We don't pick one over the other, like they go together. Yeah, they go together. And I like probably a lot of women who listen to your podcast, I threw myself into work thinking that this would be the thing um, that like, because I needed to create the certain life, I'm going to throw myself into work to figure out how to create the life. And I'm going to do the self-development and I'm going to do the spirituality. And I'm just going to go ham on all these things. And it was like, you just needed to feel it. Like you need to like, and I say just like somehow it's super simple, but there were there were feelings of sadness. I didn't want to face. There were judgments for myself that I didn't want to face. There were all of these things that I just wasn't ready to see until I was ready to see it. And I think that's the thing about the miscarriage piece that we did talk about on the podcast previously. And I I just want to reiterate is like, it comes in waves and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but make sure you feel the wave because I, no, I didn't. Yeah. And I feel really fortunate because I don't think about my miscarriage on a regular basis. There are women who carry this pain forever. And I'm convinced because I know many of them and I've coached some of them that it's because we don't like, we lock it up and say, well, that's a, that, that happened. This says something about me. And it's like, it was a part of your journey. Mm-hmm. It was, it's it, not your identifier. It doesn't have it, to be your, your entire identity, the loss. Yeah. And you didn't like, you know, we talked about, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, this you is didn't part fail. of it. Like none of it. It's just what I see a lot in women who have miscarriages is they never let themselves full the, feel the full extent of that pain. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, they carry it around with them for a year, sometimes decades. Yeah. And I think something that you were so instrumental in kind of living out in front of me, because something that I, as someone who hasn't experienced a miscarriage, I had these preconceived ideas and some people don't, but I definitely had preconceived ideas about miscarriage and what a person experiences when they go through miscarriage. And so something that I believed to be true was that when you have a miscarriage, it's a terrible, terrible loss. And you are very, very sad and unable to kind of function or do anything else or think about anything else for a really long time. It was so interesting when you went through it, like being another really close friend of mine, like I had two of you kind of close together who went through one. It was so interesting for me to witness how like one day you'd be in the box and you would sound totally fine. And it was like pretty recent, like it'd be like a week or two out. And you're like, you know, I'm feeling very like regulated and this is what's going on. And this is la la la. And then two days later or 30 minutes later or whatever, like totally different, right? Like it was, you really rode the waves, like really, really, really. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about that too, because I remember you telling me the reason, one of the big reasons you feel that you have been able to reach the level of healing that you have is because you gave yourself permission to feel it whenever it came up. 
which is sometimes really often and sometimes it's spaced out, but you just wrote it. You went with it. Like once we got to the crying on the floor part, like once we got through that first, like anchored in everything. So I wanted to give you space to talk about that because I think that's really important too, is just like, you don't ever know when it's going to come up, but giving yourself permission to be with it when it does. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, with the miscarriage, with a friend of mine, dear friend of mine, healthy, healthy person, you had it. Like I really appreciated how open and honest she always was with a conversation. And so I know that the first 12 days I got it, I called my virtual assistant. He's a friend of mine. Um, it's a cancel everything for one week. I'm out. And she just said, okay. Like, and it's so great to have someone on your team who will just be like, I'm on top of everything. And I just for seven days, let myself ride every wave. And I let myself also find joy in it because what I know about grief is the wave. So I watched it creak and I put a, like a blanket on my um, stomach and I did all those things because I knew that I knew that I couldn't be sad for 24 hours straight. Like I know people can, I knew that I would not be, and I wanted to smile and I wanted to do all the things. And so I let that be for a good week. And then for the next week I took very like only the absolute necessary of meetings. And then I started to like, let myself feel a bit. And while I mentioned the beginning, like I did cling on to a story, so I didn't always let myself feel it initially, but I did try my best when it became to the point where it was just so overwhelming just to feel the pain, because what I know about pain, particularly the emotional pain of it, is it will end. Like there will be a point where like I, my tears have, like I've had enough tears for the day. And I, I think that that matters because with grief, like you do have to feel it. And usually the emotions that are placed on top of your grief, usually anger, mm-hmm. um, is, it, like all of those negative emotions, right. Are just trying to get released into like the depths of the sadness. And so I really did try to let myself ride that wave. And I know that when I got to the March component of it, I started to realize that all of my like high, high points of emotion in the negative were related back because I still had pieces I needed to release. And I just let it be. And sometimes I would just put a timer, right. That's like, I'm going to give myself an hour to just freak out. And it's nice for someone like me who's a little type A, right? Like a little, huh? um, but like, <laughs> we'll call it that a little type A is uh-huh. like, but it gave me like permission to just go because I knew once the buzzer hit, I could clean it. Like I, that's when I was allowing myself to clean it up and move forward if I needed to. And I knew from enough work that I'd done on myself that I could do that. And so that was for me just I, I hope anyone hearing this, whether it's miscarriage or something else, like let yourself feel the feelings because what I have learned on my journey in general um, is that negative feelings are just a point for you to reconnect with yourself and reconnect to the things that need to be healed. All that being said, I also have to say that I had support, right? I had a therapist. I, for me, I'm, I'm spiritual. So I had like, I had healers. I had um, a coach who hilariously enough is a wealth coach, but also uh, a student of the course of miracles. Right. So it was like all of these things supported me in my journey because I will. And then I had friends. Right. Um, and I had a partner and I, like all of these things did matter too, because I don't want to be like, Oh my gosh, Erica handled it so well. Erica did handle it well. Thanks. As well as any of you can, right. As well like- as like, yes, but also, yes, I did the inner work, but I also had a community of both paid and unpaid people to lift me up or be with me in the sadness when I needed them to be. And I do think as I'm saying this, the thing that I have found interesting too about women who have gone through miscarriages that I know that are still in pain is they, they, they didn't have that community for a variety of reasons. Um, but that piece of it was, was so important, which is why I appreciate you sharing your pregnancy at like eight weeks is because we don't share it because culturally we don't share it because, well, we don't want to tell people we lost it on top of it. And it's like, wait a second. If I lost it back in the day when we lived in tents and huts, like women would crowd around and be with you during the bleed out and would, um, bring you food and y- you would have people just 
surrounding and loving the shit out of you as you went through it. And we have removed that out of fear that we could possibly, like the fear we'd have to own that this happened, but also fear of like what it says about our body and says about ourselves that we couldn't handle it by ourselves. Like, so Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like all of these things that I, for me, we can't keep trying to protect ourselves through fear Mm -hmm. because that does not allow us to show up as ourselves, but also doesn't allow us to heal in the full, uh, in the entirety in which we can. Well, and it robs us of joy and like infusions of joy because joy felt is still joy, even if it isn't for like for the law, even if the experience doesn't end in joy, but that also isn't the last time you'll ever feel it. Right. And so there's these opportunities and I, again, like, I just want to be very clear. Like I'm saying this to someone who doesn't know what it's like to lose a baby. But to me, it's like the thought of experiencing that joy and that sense of possibility and that magic in your body while it is happening. Like, what if you spent the whole time being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. And then you lose it. And then it's like, there's a whole spiral uh, that's, that is lacking in hope. Right. And every time we come into this tender, vulnerable position of like new life starting in our body. There is that, that dual anticipation of hopefulness and also a little bit of fear. But I think for me, and I know I shared this a little bit, but just leaning into the joy and the excitement and the possibility and allowing that to carry me as far as it could basically. And just choosing that every day, instead of, to me, it helped to have people who could hold my excitement for me when I was feeling scared inside, when I was feeling really nervous and like, oh my God, what if this doesn't work out? You said something I thought was really important. You said choosing as much as I can to lean into that. And I, for me, that was when I got pregnant with Isabel, who is a fully functioning, (laughs) vocally, like vocally astounding child like oh the decibels the decibels (laughs) that baby can cry eyelashes Um, the dimples yeah she's I like the love of my life yes I she is like (laughs) she she is just my favorite person I I know that people say you put yourself in your marriage and then your child first I don't know I honestly don't know how people do that like now that I have a kid I was like like (laughs) Really? Cause, cause I like love the shit out of my human, like out of my little human. So anyways, um, that as I was, when I was pregnant, I was scared the entire time and I chose to lean into the joy and the possibility and all, and as much as I could, because there wasn't a, like, really, there wasn't a day that went by where I wasn't scared. Mm-hmm. even after like red, you know, me, like I was like, what is, what is the percent ratio of when this baby will probably be viable and did like, you know, mm-hmm. finding all the percents and doing all the things and reading all the books, of course, getting um, the data, getting the data so to like, like to hold on to, okay, yes. if I can just get to eight and then I can get to 12, the yep. likelihood that this pregnancy will not be viable is X, Y, Z, but then I've got, you know, counter anyways, of course. I would gab all of that. And so every day I would be like, Meh. I don't know. 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 And would still say, okay, we're here. She's in you. This is a huge possibility. I'm going to continue to choose this. And I'm going to continue to talk with people about how excited and how scared I am and ask for their support in leaning into the excitement because I didn't need their help to lean out of it. I didn't need that space because I gave it to myself all the time. What I needed was to be able to choose the possibility. Yeah. Is there anything else that you feel is really important or anything that's popping up for you to say to women about being pregnant after a miscarriage? The only thing that's coming through my head is that it's okay to be scared. I, I, even though I chose it, Mm -hmm. even though I actively tried to step into it, it's okay that you're scared and you can still have a baby Mm -hmm. even when you are scared. And even when you acknowledge that you're scared, because I do know that there are parts of me that's like, don't you dare say this out loud? Because if you say it out loud, she might not come into this world. Mm -hmm. And I know how silly 
I literally know how silly that is, but I couldn't, there were times where I couldn't verbalize it. And so if you're not verbalizing it, that's also okay because you are like, how can you not be scared? How can you not be Um, like Liza was saying, she like the baby had to come out and her hold him Mm -hmm. before she was like, he's real. I needed to get to like 36 weeks. So I was like, we can incubate this. Like it's yeah. okay. For <laughs> like this baby um, will survive if she comes, like her chance of survival, if she comes out right now is really high. Is, I, I yeah. remember feeling that. I was like after 36 or 37 or whatever I tell you, I'm like, yeah. okay, she could come now and she, her chance of survival will be really, really high. Yeah. And so it's just, I hope if someone had a miscarriage and is pregnant uh, now and is moving along and everything's good and yet you can't, shake the feeling at 20 weeks that something might be wrong. Or I remember I would be like, oh my gosh, not that there's anything wrong with um, a child who has a chromosomal abnormality, but I remember being like, okay, well, I got this far. And then, well, she's probably going to have down syndrome because I mean, I had a terrible time. Like no, none of it was logical. Right? Oh, yeah. well, she's probably going to have the, like, she's probably going to have the spinal thing because she didn't have down syndrome. Right. Like yeah. I, I just kept imagining a worst case scenario and then would catch myself and want to say all that's normal and all and it's it's okay and it your chance of having a child or becoming a parent is still there even with all of that fear and that's the one thing I think that I could have done a better job on leaning into my community with and I will for me you know I want a second child I will do that but I did hold that back a little bit because I almost didn't want to say it out loud. Is there anything else that you didn't say out loud that you need to say out loud? Is there anything else that you wanted to say out loud, but you didn't feel like you could because it's like, quote unquote, not allowed or not okay? I, I don't think so. I think it it was really just, there was this fear that I couldn't take a baby to term. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the only experience you've had, like, and, and that kind of, that like unshakable faith you had the first time you got pregnant, that it was going to be super easy and everything was great and you were super healthy and there's no reasons for there to be anything. Like that's that kind of, you have not experienced anything before that to prove otherwise. And then this thing happens and shakes that. And now it's the most real experience you've ever had. So then on the other side of that, trying to imagine an experience other than that one is real hard, like really hard. It's, I mean, it was for me to like, because I had made a lot of peace with it. I had done a lot of the internal work. I was like doing all of the things. I still couldn't shake it. And I thought that I was failing would really, it was just normal because I'm on our side. I am human. Like this is a thing. Yeah. And I think particularly with spiritual people we're like, no, 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 everything's good. Everything like all happens for a reason. And all these things. And it's like, ah, it may, like, maybe, and you're still human. You're still allowed to be fearful. You're still allowed to feel all these things. The idea though, is not to let it consume you because there is joy here. And that to me is, um, the piece. I I mean, I just have to remember even in everyday life is like, there is always joy here. We just tend to focus and like latch onto the negative, um, because it feels like the most important at this moment. But the truth of the matter is if you're at 12 weeks and you get to 13, that's a celebration. You get to 13, that's like to 14, that's a celebration. And, and you can be scared and celebrate those milestones. I love that. Thank you for all of that. I think we did a pretty decent job in our roundtable conversation about talking about ways that people who have an experienced miscarriage can support someone who's going through miscarriage. So I thought we would tie up this conversation without throwing anyone under the bus, maybe just sharing some of your thoughts on how a partner who is navigating <laughs> miscarriage with their partner, what might someone 
be able to do like on the other side of it? Like, what are some thoughts you have? What are some suggestions if you have them and be, uh, be as candid as you need to be, but just like, are there some things that the partners of women going through miscarriage need to hear? And what are they? Oh yes, there is. I want to say that my husband's an amazing father and an amazing partner and he could have handled it better. Like totally <laughs> like, and he knows it. He is well-versed. Um, and what I would say to men is to be present. One, do your research of what will actually happen, right? If like talk to a, talk to your buddies, um, and this is heterosexual, right? But even if it's, uh, I think this goes through if it's um, homosexual as well, right? If there's, if it's particularly you're, you're a woman, um, if you're a lesbian or I don't know all the right terms, so sorry guys, but it like partner who's a female has a baby yeah. is you want to, I think, talk with people around you because the likelihood that someone has experienced this in some capacity is high. Go get your own support because you're going to need that support to support her. And then the other piece of it, it's a lot like, so do your research on the internet, do your research with your friends and then be present because the reality is your, your person, the the woman um, carrying the baby, it's going to be the ups and downs. And she might not even know why she's crying or she, like for me, I would just stop. Like I just would freeze at certain points. Like just know those like extra long pauses, those like out of sync motions, like just be there. Don't question what they are. Just be present and prepared for her, like for what she needs. And I know it's like, how do you be prepared for what she needs? You just be present, like be present. You'll know if you're with her. Well, and that's, yeah, that's something I actually want to add as someone who has supported several women through a miscarriage to the partners. I'm not going to say that every woman's needs are the same, but being physically available to her, like just because, and again, we kind of touched on this in the last conversation because the health system and society does such a bad job of like telling you kind of what actually happens. Like I know you shared in the last conversation about how much blood there was and like the process of actually losing the baby, like how intense it is. It's not a heavy period, but the experience gets downplayed. And because no one knows, like it's, I'm not faulting anyone, but I am saying that I have known several women who have lost babies and they're sitting at home bleeding out in their bathtub and their husband's at a basketball game because they don't think that it's a huge deal. Like, you know, like they don't, they don't know the magnitude of what's happening because it's not happening in their body because until the baby's on the outside, most guys don't feel super connected. Um, most humans who are not growing the baby don't feel super connected to the baby until they're out in front of their face. And so there can be this unconscious, like, oh, I mean, you were pregnant, but it's barely a person and now there's not one. And so, and I, I think it's, it's probably half and half. I think half of it is truly not understanding the magnitude of what's happening from an emotional standpoint, from like, not even logistically knowing what is about to happen. So it's like, oh, maybe I'm in the way. And then the other half is like not knowing what to do at all and wanting to leave because it's uncomfortable and they don't know what to do. But what I have experienced is that it's very hurtful to be left alone, to have that experience when you're half of a pair it feels like you're getting saddled with the responsibility of making and also the losing. Well, and the one thing I want to add too that is really important because um, like my friend who had, who explained to me the blood show that it is and her words, not mine, right. um, but also <laughs> mine is like, she told her partner to leave. Right. Because she thought that it would be this, this small thing. And so I can respect a per like a partner leaving when the wife is like, just go, it will be fine. Yeah. But like, if you're hearing this, no, it won't be fine. Do not go to the basketball game. Do not go to that dinner party. Do not go to the bar. Do not do those things like stay and then be as supportive as you can through the next couple of weeks and months. Right. Um, because th- that's the thing too, is like, do the things like you would do for like treat a miscarriage. This sounds horrible. Treat the miscarriage, like the initial miscarriage like, like a two week long Valentine's day, buy her the flowers, buy her the food, take her out to dinner, do the things because 
she, the thing about it is I didn't even know what I needed. Right. right. Like my husband went out and got the electric blanket. Like he, like he did his little research. He got those things, brought the stuff up to me. Cause I don't really want to Google miscarriage mm-hmm. So do it for me. Yeah. And then I think if you're going to have another child, the part, I think the partner checking in, how do you really feel is, are you okay? Is there something I can do? Are you thinking about this? Because like I said, I held that in a little bit longer than I needed to. So Nick could not know that I was thinking about it mm-hmm. um, because similar to, I think a lot of the women, like particularly Leslie's experience, like things were swept underneath the rug in his family too. Mm-hmm. So you're asking someone to be a bit more mature than uh, you are when right. you like, and that's, I don't think that that's fair. fair. So for yeah. that, everything you're saying and women don't actually, particularly those who have a miscarriage for the first time, they don't know what it's like. And so a partner talking to the friend, doing their own Googling, recognize, like treating this, the miscarriage first, like, you know, two weeks or week, like Valentine's day with all this stuff. And then like checking in periodically, how are you feeling? Like, what do you need? All of that stuff. Cause women do tend to turn to their friends about this. But what I have learned, particularly about partners of women who have miscarriages is they want to be there too. They want yeah. to be there too. They just, they just don't know how they don't know how. Don't know. And so I'm not, yeah. So I, I don't want it to feel like I'm blessing anybody out by saying that. Cause I'm definitely not. And I, and the reason I said that I'm not going to pretend like I know what every single woman needs. There may be a woman out there who's like, I know that in this moment, I would really like to be alone. And that's like, that's so then what do you do as a partner? Right. It's like, even if you go somewhere, like just don't go far and like check in, like maybe send a text every 30 minutes and be like, how are you doing? Like, do you, if you want me to come back, I'll come back. Do you want me to come back? And like, even though they don't know, like maybe be gone 30 minutes to an hour and then grab some shit and just come back. Like they don't know. Mm -hmm. So come back. And if she wants her space, stay in a different room, but be available, be available. And and I will say I wanted to be alone, not like during the actual process of like the losing, but like that, those weeks, I mean, I don't, I don't think they could have sat in bed for seven days. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, he, like he didn't need you don't to, have to be like, right next to them. Yeah. But available mm-hmm. gave me my space when I needed stuff checked in. But that um, I do feel I will say I do feel for the partner, though, because they they I know that they know something big happened most of the time. They just don't know how big it is. And part of it, I do think, is this is that we as women do hide it a bit more than we need to because we don't want to be a burden because we've also decided like I should just get over this quickly and this is the permission slip in case you needed it to say I don't want to get over it right away Mm -hmm. I want to be mad and sad and angry and feeling all the feels like you don't have to rush this because if you rush this that's a big reason why he or her or they are rushing it yeah because they're taking notes they're trying to they're trying to take notes from you yeah Beautiful. That was so nice of you to be like, you don't have to call anyone out. I'm like, uh, are you sure? I mean, I wasn't going to do it. I was just going <laughs> to let you share whatever felt the most supportive. I haven't been in your shoes. So I wanted to let you hit what felt really, what felt really good. Uh, I love my husband. He's Nick. If you're listening, we love you. Nick. Yeah. It was just, he didn't know. And yeah. I didn't know. And to be fair, like our, our friends who we did know had, had it. Like the husband happened to be out of town too, yeah, or happened yeah. to be out of the space. So it was like, oh, well, she handled it. But um, yeah. I think she would make the argument she did not. Like they would make the right. argument, well, we thought we did, but really we did not. Yeah. And like maybe there are some extenuating circumstances, but for the most part, I'm like, if you know that that shit is going on and there is any way that you can get your ass on a plane and get home and be available to support in whatever way that takes form, like do that. It was like when Leslie was talking about Chuck E. Cheese and Colin's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. That's and when Colin's he's like, let's go home. I'm going to get yeah. the kids. I'm going to round them up. We're going to get mm-hmm. in the car and we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Making and he tried to do that. And he I, I mean, and I, I, we know, well, we Leslie, know Leslie. So, yeah. <laughs> so she's like, <laughs> she oh, we going to stay. She's in her white pants, not having that. Yeah. She's yeah. like, no, I'm going to finish this birthday party. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, obviously you can't wrestle somebody to the ground, but if there's an option for you to make a decision, make the decision, because what I keep hearing is like, you don't know, like, you don't know what you need in that moment. You're overwhelmed and everything is, is 
fuzzy and you just don't know. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts. I feel like, I feel like we covered a lot and I don't, I don't want us to like go in a circle. And I feel like if we cross, there's like a couple other things I could bring up, but I feel like we've touched on a lot of universal themes and gotten real like into it. So if there's any other thoughts coming up, words that you feel would be supportive to someone navigating or supporting the navigation of miscarriage, feel free to drop it here. Okay. One last, one last thing that's coming up is like, drop the judgment of yourself and of others. I mean, and I say this, like, I, Oh, it would never happen to me. Not that I need you to think it, but like, stop trying to pick apart if you are why these things happen to yourself or others and don't judge yourself through all of it whether you had the pregnancy and she didn't and oh my god like just show up with love as much as possible and I think that things will inevitably feel and get better thank you Mm -hmm. I appreciate you of course I love you. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Hands on my heart. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening with an open and curious mind. Anne Voskamp says, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. I would be so grateful for your help to expand the safety we're creating here by subscribing, rating, and sharing this show with the folks you love. Let's keep nothing important confidential.